You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 73. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. Today in the show, we have two very special guests from a truly unique band, the Whiz Pops. The Whiz Pops make music for kids, but they are so much more than just another kids band. They employ clever songwriting and highly skilled musicianship to create music that any adult can enjoy and their last two albums have been focused strictly on wildlife. Casey Schaefer is the guitar player, vocalist, and uh, one of the songwriters for the band, and Daniel Kiley is the band's drummer. They have some fascinating insights to share with us about their creative process and how they have integrated conservation topics into their songs. We'll also get to listen to a few tracks from their brand new album, Ranger Rick's Trail Mix Volume 1, which was released in partnership with the National Wildlife Federation. Let's jump into the conversation. All right, I'm here with Casey Schaefer, who is a guitar player, vocalist, and songwriter for the band The Whiz Pops. And we're also joined by Daniel Kiley, who is the drummer for the band The Whiz Pops. How are you guys doing? Excellent. We're doing well, thank you, Matthew. Awesome. It's good to have both you guys on the show. I'm really excited uh, for this interview. Um, I want to start off just by having the two of you introduce our listeners to uh, your band, The Whiz Bops. Uh, What is this band all about? We're all about, uh, I guess, edutaining uh, kids of all ages, you know, whether they be three or 33, uh, and uh, bringing kind of fresh music uh packaged with educational content um that's that you can get down to you know matthew i'd say we started as a kids band and then kind of became a family band because a lot of the music that we play tends to appeal to adults and then in terms of the the vision of what we're trying to do that's actually evolving over time we primarily write songs about food reading nature and animals awesome so you guys have just released a brand new album um which is called Ranger Rick's Trail Mix, Volume 1. And I thought maybe a good way to sort of introduce our listeners to sort of what you guys are all about and the sound that you've created um, with this band, the Whiz Pops, would be to uh, play one of the songs um, from your new album. Sure. Well, um, we might as well do Black-Footed Ferret because that's kind of the poster child for uh, endangered species um, as far as making a comeback and surviving very similar to the california condor they were actually declared extinct and turns out they they weren't quite extinct and so we were kind of uh, fortunate enough to still have these beautiful creatures on our planet so we wrote a song for them kind of the hook of the song is we may be down but we're not out that's kind of the theme for a lot of endangered species and and hopefully a lot of them can kind of pull through so and occasionally for the wisp pops Step back. 
I love how you guys are able to address, you know, really difficult conservation issues through your music in a way that is infectious and catchy and fun for kids and, and adults as well, uh, people of all ages, really. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe we should take a step back here and just talk a little bit about the origins of the Whiz Pops. Um, how, how did the band originally come together? So every, I teach kindergarten, this is my ninth year teaching kindergarten, every spring, I, beginning with my first year teaching kindergarten, started doing a thematic unit on owls and uh, found out I could get my hands on a really amazing, um, almost like a treasure chest full of, of all kinds of owl goodies like talons and skulls and even uh, several samples of species of owls. Uh, the Owl Research Institute is located in Missoula, Montana, and Denver Holt, who is one of the leading owl researchers of the world put together a trunk, this trunk that I'm talking about, along with another uh, grade school teacher who taught kindergarten. And I caught wind that she was using the trunk and that she's lending it out to other teachers. And so um, she sent it on over and I just opened it up and right away I was, I was just enraptured by these owls and um, started teaching the kids everything I could about them. And I felt the only thing that was missing from this trunk was was music, because I know how important music is for can be for just enjoyment, but also for teaching. And so, um, one of the things I do is you know just Google owl song or get on YouTube and search for an owl song, educational owl song. And I wasn't having any luck. There was really only one or two songs and very little educational factor. And so I called up. Uh, a buddy of mine, Kevin, who's also in the Wiz Pops, um, co-founder, and and I said he was going to school to be a teacher at the time, and I, you know, I was one year ahead of him, and I said, hey, I, it was a Friday night. I said I'm trying to find some music for my classroom to teach the kids about owls, and I can't find anything. Do you want to you want to help me write a song? And 
he's like, sure, come on over. So I went over to his house on a Friday night, and within two and a half hours, we'd written and recorded in his recording studio um, the first version of the Owl song, which um, was the first whiz pop song. Yeah, the first whiz pop song. And we didn't even know we were a band back then because we weren't. Uh, and shortly after that, um, our school PTA asked me to perform at Barnes and Noble for a school fundraiser. So, uh, the school could buy books for the kids. And so, uh, I asked Kevin to do it with me and he said, sure. And, uh, we, we wrote a couple more songs and we took Shel Silverstein poems and put music to them and just did whatever we could to round up an hour's worth of entertainment. And we did that for a couple of years and started uh, piecemealing more band members together. And Kevin wrote a song about bats. Um, we wrote a song about vegetables. Uh, and it just it just kind of snowballed slowly. And before we knew it, we were we were a band. We called ourselves the Unknowns. And uh, we started playing shows at, at more bookstores around town. And then after that, we realized, you know, we were actually a somewhat of a legitimate band and and we got a drummer and uh, one of kevin's professors uh ended up being our bass player and he's been with us ever since for about seven years six seven years and uh our drummer moved away but we got daniel to play drums with us and that was you know one of the best things that's ever happened to this band um and so we've just you know organically just kind of kept building this band and this energy and, and the songwriting and, and the recording. We've, we've learned how to make better recordings and make better albums. And we've worked with a great producer over the last few years and it's led to where we're at now, which is a pretty good spot. So Daniel, uh, tell me a little bit about how you got sort of drawn into uh, this band and, you know, what, what did you think about, you know, what Casey and these other guys were doing with the Wiz Pops when you first joined? You know, it's interesting. I was a music major in college in the Midwest. I moved to Chicago to, to be a rock star, and then I moved to Missoula, Montana in 2000 and assumed any real musical aspirations were over. And there are a lot of not-for-profit organizations in the August city of Missoula, Montana, Matthew. And there's an organization called Families First, and they were doing a fundraiser, and they brought in a nationally known artist, a guy named Aaron Nigel Smith, who wrote music for PBS show the Between the Lions and has a lot of other um, original music and productions in the kids' educational and musical realm. And he said, I will come play your fundraiser. You just need to get me a local band to back it up. And one of the people who worked at the organization called me and asked me if I would play drums. I obliged. I met Casey there. He's we had a great time uh, practicing for Aaron Nigel Smith. We had one rehearsal with him, and then we played the show. It actually went really well, um, gelled nicely. And at the end, Casey said, I'm actually in my own kid's band. Would you like to play the drums? And I said, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, don't call me. I'll call you. And then uh, he <laughs> called me a couple weeks later and uh, wore me down because he has a very nice way of being persuasive with a smile on his face. And I told my wife I had always been a drummer in a band and I had not been playing for a couple of years and was really missing playing and I said to my wife okay honey I'm going to go play with a kids band don't worry it'll be one night and I got home and said this is an amazing group of musicians and songwriters and the interesting thing about 
an ensemble that's always so difficult is the ability to have good vocals and songwriting. And that's really one of the, the wonderful things about this band is the songwriting, the lyrics, and the, and the vocals are all kind of gelled together. And music's an amazing medium for many different types of messages from both political uh, and educational and everything in between. And what we found was we didn't just have the kids coming to our shows. Uh, we played a couple local venues, and one of them's relatively popular. And we've had parents approach us and say they got a babysitter tonight so they could come alone to see the Wiz Pops and left the kids behind. <laughs> the ultimate compliment. How did the band sort of grow over time? I mean, Casey, you said that it started off with just you and Kevin. How many people do you guys have in the band now? Um, and what was sort of the process of getting to that point? We, as a core, we, we consider ourselves a six-piece, but we have several honorary Wiz Pops band members that anytime we can get them on stage with us, we'll, we'll invite them to play shows with us because we just love what they add to the sound the last two cd release parties at the wilma i think we were an 11 piece band um which we would love to play like that every time but it's you know it's just not economically uh feasible sometimes and and oftentimes these other band members have playing two or three other bands so we have to you know plan it out months ahead of time and and get them locked down when we can but as far as growing the band um start as a two-piece we added a fiddle player uh, this is about nine years ago when we were playing these Barnes & Noble shows. Uh, just a friend of mine who played fiddle, and she kind of just did it as a favor to us. But it's funny because every time we ask somebody to play, we kind of get the – they kind of roll their eyes a little bit, you know, and <laughs> just humor us a little bit, kind of like Daniel's story. Uh, but after they play with us, they're smiling, they're having a good time, and, and they're genuinely excited about it. And so it's been – been surprisingly easy to add quality musicians to the band and another way we've done it is through the recording studio so we brought in uh trumpet players and saxophone players and fiddlers uh and you know other keyboardists and this and that and so that's kind of really helped grow the band they learn the songs they write amazing parts and that just kind of helps solidify their participation in this group and you know matthew given the history that Casey just gave you what's really resulted from that is the collaboration is almost in the DNA of the band and it's extremely easy to integrate um, from a six to a ten piece to get ready for a particular venue because of that open mindset and what we found is when you get competent musicians given room to have creative license you get really good uh, participation and contribution to the songwriting and the arrangement. So the open mind as a culture that Casey and Kevin originally created has been really instrumental in how the sound has developed over time and how a lot of the recordings have ended up being made, especially on this last album. It was kind of the no ego album. Whatever sounds the best and whoever brings it in and does it is what we use. And actually, no hurt feelings over that with lots of contributing um, skill sets and people. So, Casey, your day job, as you mentioned, is uh, as an elementary school teacher. Um, and you talked about how 
it was this job and sort of the you know the lack of good sort of educational kids music out there that led to the creation of this band um i mean i guess what i'm wondering is does does it go both ways i mean does the work that you do with the whiz pops now that you've been doing it for so many years does it inform or influence uh, uh your teaching in any way yeah it does actually um and a couple of years ago, we started writing, basically taking requests from other teachers who would approach us and say, I teach this unit on uh, the rainforest every year, and we would love to have a, a rainforest song. And we'd say, sure, we'd love to write you a song about that. And, and they give us some bullet points to cover, so it kind of matches their their content, and, and we go for it. Um, and then uh, we've also just kind of written thematic uh, albums. Our our last album, Sea Blue Sea, it's all about marine animals, uh, several of which are endangered. And I've actually been using that along with another kindergarten teacher the last two years uh, in our classroom. We turn our classrooms into an ocean, basically. And the album is kind of like a centerpiece in what we what we build the lessons around and the animals that we study. So um, it has affected, I guess, enhanced um, the teaching in my classroom. This next album, I see it being really crucial and really kind of diving into uh, a unit about endangered species and how can kids help, you know, even on a basic level. And so we're going to we're going to explore that because kids, you know, even five and six year olds understand what it means when an animal goes extinct and how it's not around anymore. You know, we study dinosaurs, which we've also written a song about. But, you know, so the kids know there's no more dinosaurs left and all that's left are, are fossil remains. And so they they can get these larger topics that you may think it's hard for them to grasp. But um, And kids, you know, they want to help. They want to be active, and they're excited about that. So I feel like I'll be tapping into that a lot next year. So, Daniel, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about sort of your background, um, but, but also how your participation in this band and, you know, the fact that this is a band that's focused on creating music for kids. I mean, obviously it's, you know, like we talked about, it's music that adults appreciate too, but, you know, that's sort of the focus is like educating kids about science and about wildlife and about these difficult conservation issues. Um, I, I just sort of wonder, like, what influence that has had on you? Well, it's so funny. It's funny you would mention that I'm the son of college professors, and my mom was almost a amateur naturalist. So I was taught from a very young age to appreciate nature. And what has ended up evolving with the Whiz Pops is um, almost by accident, and now I would say design and intention, creating a nexus where we're trying to use lots of different mediums to get across. Um, several ideas with a with a unifying theme. Um, music is an incredibly powerful tool, but we have incorporated um, conservation. We not only play to the interest of children, but it turns out families that includes adults uh, are interested in both the content and the sound of what we do. We started to make videos, so we're trying to create a nexus of conservation, education, music, culture, art, to talk about the things that, that really matter in the natural world. The natural world has really become significantly larger focus um, from 
the the powers that be realizing how important the natural world is to sustain our systems. So I think we've gravitated there uh, because of all of those factors. So I always wanted to be a musician and I always have had a very serious interest in the outdoor world. I spent a lot of time outside, a, a lot of time around rivers. And this has been an amazing expression of all of those interests coming together into one um, big conceptual project. Uh, we basically have now been, this is our second concept, al- concept album that we've made. And it encompasses lots of different concepts. I do want to start talking a little bit more about this new album, um, which is called Ranger Rick's Trail Mix Volume 1. Um, and clearly there is a central theme to the release. And, you know, Daniel, you said that this is your second, you call it a concept album. Um, I mean, talk a little bit more about the concept behind the album um, and, and what inspired you to approach the album uh, in this way. So with our last album, Sea Blue Sea, um, we didn't realize it when we were writing the album, but uh, you know, after we stepped back and all, all 10 songs are written, we realized that several of the animals uh, were endangered um, or threatened or you know, various levels of jeopardy. Know, jeopardy, exactly. And so that might just be because we were singing about the ocean and the ocean is, uh, is not in the best condition right now. But we've kind of fallen into this niche. Like our default is to write songs about animals. We just really enjoy that. Kevin co-founder of the band is, is an amateur uh, naturalist. Um, he is, uh, he's done, a, he's done a lot of uh, songwriting for the band and he, he travels every, every trip, every vacation he goes on is centered, not so much a location, but what animals can he find and, and photograph and learn about. And so um, he's been a real driving force in, in getting us writing about animals. And with this last album, I kind of helped take over the songwriting reins. Um, and once we had a theme, it was it was easier to go from there. But we, we kind of chose this endangered species theme because um, we realized we were just doing it naturally. And on top of that, we were given a task by a conservation group called Trout Unlimited to write a song for them about bull trout to use for educational outreach, which is uh, an endangered species. And so we we wrote that song, and, and they've been using it for educational outreach through their programs, and we kind of just tucked it away for several months and didn't really think too much about it. And then we, we realized, uh, I remember Kevin and I were talking on uh, New Year's, day in 2015 and we said gosh if we're if we're being approached by conservation groups to write songs about endangered species why don't we just write a whole album about endangered species and and see if we can form a symbiotic relationship with another conservation group and see what happens and see if we can really get these songs and the message out there on a much grander scale and that's what happened. We we uh, contacted the National Wildlife Federation, and uh, through many emails and phone calls, we've struck a deal. We've we've formed a partnership with them, and we're proud supporters of the NWF, and and we're using this album to help reach new families and spread the message of conservation. 
How did you guys pick these animal species that you're going to focus on? I mean, you mentioned where the idea for the bull trout song came from, but what did that decision-making process look like? And then once you decided, oh, yeah, we're going to write a song about uh, the black-footed ferret or the California condor, um, you know, what was that? What did that process look like? Sure. Well, it's, it's, it's actually difficult to pick, uh, you know, it's, to go through and pick, you know, because I don't know if you – I don't think we tried to pick our favorites or anything like that. We, I think we uh, – we looked at different lists. Um, we, you know, read articles uh, about different animals that were struggling. I remember reading an article about walruses and um, just being thousands and thousands of them being stranded up on the Alaskan shore because polar ice caps were melting, and um, those kind of things just stick with you. Um, and so, and then we also um, inquired. Uh, we asked NWF. We looked at, to see what animals animals they were really focusing on uh, about protecting and, um, you know, bison and black-footed ferret, a lot of uh, plains uh, animals, species um, ended up on the album. And and so, you know, it, and also the music, you, you come up with a guitar riff or a piano riff and sometimes you have to think, gosh, what, if I had to like assign this to an animal, what animal would it be? And, and so that kind of played a part in it, too. Um, the Black-Footed Ferret song, as you heard, is kind of funky and, and has an edge. Um, and bouncy. Yeah, it's bouncy, and it, it just it, – it's, it's kind of monotonous in a way. It just does – it's the same chord progression over and over. It just doesn't give up, and, and that's kind of like encapsulates the species of the Black-Footed Ferret. So – I, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard. Uh, also, another song was written about. Just one day, I wrote a song about everything's better with a mustache, and just made up goofy lyrics and recorded it on my phone and sent it to Kevin. And he said, "I love it. We got to record it. We got to put it on the album." And he said, "You should make it about walruses." And so, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, the walruses are like really struggling. And I remembered reading that article, and so next thing you know, changing the lyrics and. And uh, as it turns out, they all have mustaches. <laughs> even even the girls. And there's a scientific name for those mustaches that I learned by listening to Kevin and Casey's lyrics. The irony, or not the irony, but one of the great things is these guys write lyrics that are really accessible to anyone in terms of understanding them, and they actually provide education. Uh, we learned... I didn't even know what a pica was before this album was made, and I'm almost now embarrassed to admit that. <laughs> do you know what a pica is, Matthew? I do know what a pica is. Um, but no, then, I mean, it's 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 yeah. a really good point you made, right, which is that this stuff is educational. Uh, not, I mean, obviously it's educational for kids, but, I mean, it can be educational for adults too. And, yeah, not everybody knows what a pica is. And you guys write a song about it, and, you know, you provide this really interesting information about the species in the song, and it's catchy, and people want to listen to it, and uh, they get, you know, some information out of that too. So... Um, yeah, it's re re really neat, really neat approach. So each song on, on this new album, you know, tells a story about uh, a different wildlife species and the conservation threats that that species faces, with the exception of the final song on the album, um, which kind of brings this whole idea together, and it's called uh, Extinction Really Stinks. Maybe you guys can talk a little bit about the story behind uh, this final track on the album. So 30 years ago, yesterday, I believe, Live Aid put out the song We Are the World, Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, Lionel Richie, and you know, a whole host of amazing musicians and singers 
uh, put out that famous song and raised, I believe, over $60 million to send to Africa to help feed and clothe kids and just really, really powerful message. Um, and we kind of wanted to channel that energy and that sincerity and, um, and the concept and the concept of, of bringing people together to sing about something that's important to them and, and hopefully, you know, raise money or raise consciousness, um, about the issue to, to hopefully make some sort of change. And so, uh, we, we had this idea what we wanted to do, you know, we're, we're driving, uh, four hours to a gig in, uh, big sky, Montana to play a fundraiser for a preschool. And I'm sitting shotgun in Kevin's car and a buddy of ours is in the back seat, and, you know, we're just throwing out different slogans and catchphrases and just being goofy with it. And, we came up with extinction really stinks and extinction is forever and, and kind of all these things that you you kind of hear or see on bumper stickers and um, we just kind of dismissed it and we tried to do something a little more serious and we weren't having any luck with it. So on the drive back, we, we did the same thing and we ended up coming full circle to these to these uh, slogans and lines and, and we just made it work. We were laughing. We were having a blast. And anytime we're laughing when we're songwriting, we know we've got something good. And uh, so, we again, we recorded it on an iPhone and, uh, and, we, and we had it. And, and the whole idea behind it was we were going to try to get as many musicians as possible to play and sing on this song. Um, and, and mainly kid or family musicians um, in the scene. It's called uh, kindependent music or kindy um, artists and musicians, um, which are, you know, they aren't, they don't have major record labels. They're just doing it out of their home studios for the most part and putting it out there. And there's some amazing musicians out there. And so we connected with them. Uh, Bill Harley, for example, was playing uh, touring, came to Missoula and we actually got him to come into the recording studio and sing, and we filmed it. Um, we got a great band from Brooklyn uh, called The Pop-Ups to sing on it, um, and all kinds of other incredible musicians. In fact, Aaron Nigel Smith, who is the whole reason Daniel's in our band, the whole reason we met, he appears on the album as well, on that track too. So we've got artists from, from coast to coast, we got a, a real rock star drummer uh, besides Daniel to play on it. He set his ego aside. And we got John Wicks from Fits and the Tantrums to play drums on it, who happens to live in Missoula. And uh, he just, he really breathed some life into that song. And uh, so we've got all these great musicians on it. And it's it's kind of our own We Are the World tribute, but uh but to endangered species uh, instead of instead of people. So, and Matthew, I would add, it was really interesting how excited all these people were to do it. I think four or five Grammy nominees and more than one Grammy winner in the children's album category opted to be included, and that also entailed them emailing back and forth files of um, their vocals to get the harmonies together. Uh, Casey has a real consensus building style and was able to get 
some of the real luminaries in in this part of the music world excited to do it. They did it enthusiastically. It was super cool, super cool. Well, let's give that track a listen.
So you've released this new album uh, in collaboration with uh, the National Wildlife Federation, uh, as you mentioned. Um, and you started to talk a little bit about this collaboration um, and, and how it's helping you guys uh, sort of reach new audiences and how it sort of guided the thematic concept behind the album to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, maybe you could just elaborate a little bit on that. What does that this collaboration with the National Wildlife Federation, you know, what does it mean for the Wizpops and, and for this album? Well, I think Casey can probably speak to that uh, more specifically, but the way it really happened was the idea for the album. A, a, a record about threatened and endangered species in North America was the original concept. And then we talked about how do you actually get anyone to care about that? How do you get anyone to care about the message and what you're writing and singing about? And that led to, well, maybe we should find an organization who's involved in that world. And Casey said, how about the National Wildlife Federation? So in his uh, <clears throat> pleasantly persistent consensus building style, he cold called the National Wildlife Federation and said, we are making an album about threatened and endangered species in North America. You are the largest, most prestigious conservation organization in the country. Would you be interested in partnering with us? And that led to... Ranger Rick, who turns 50 in 2017 and is a really big part of their educational outreach. Uh, that was that was the early part of it. But in terms of what what it really means and what we could do with it, I think Casey can speak to that better than I can. What we decided to do is basically we are donating proceeds from the album to the National Wildlife Federation to help protect and conserve the species of animals that we are singing about. So it has mul multiple purposes. One, you know, to educate children and families and also to actually do something. So when people buy the, the album, basically a dollar for every CD or um, album download that happens, a dollar goes to NWF so they can continue their efforts and conservation and educational outreach. So instead of just thinking about it, we're, we're hoping to do something with it and, and hoping that you know, if we, we can sell a significant amount of albums, we can raise a significant amount of money um, for NWF and also um, sustain this project financially. Uh, it costs quite a bit of money to record an album and to press CDs and um, just all the expenses that go along with uh, the band. It's, it's essentially a, a hobby of love, but it's also a business. And we hope that we can make this uh, business sustainable on many levels. You guys just released this album. I mean, obviously, you're going to be spending some time kind of, you know, promoting it, getting it out there, spreading the word. But thinking a little bit further down the road, I mean, what's next for the Whiz Pops? I mean, sort of high level. I mean, what are you guys, big picture, striving to achieve? Well, hopefully volumes two through seven. And we'd love to uh, cover every continent on the on the globe that's that's kind of the game plan and and you know matthew i think that really entails um a lot of the the combination of some of the things we might have mentioned earlier we want to have some relevance from an actual music and songwriting standpoint that translates to more open ears to listening to what is being written about you know it's a nexus of ideas and as I mentioned earlier, different mediums. And if we can do that and actually make a difference in the world, 
which is obviously a very important place to sustain human life, then we think that's a worthy goal. And I have a feeling if we make this album work from a perspective of everything that uh, we both just mentioned, that we're going to be able to continue to do that. I love what you guys are doing. It's really fantastic music, and it's been a lot of fun chatting with you guys about it. Um, so thanks a lot to both of you for coming on the show and uh, sharing your perspective on this really interesting project that you're both a part of. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. And, and we appreciate everything that you and your company's doing and, and the podcast. It's, it's amazing, and it's nice to uh, chat with some like-minded individuals. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Matthew. We appreciate it. All right, that was our conversation with Casey Schaefer and Daniel Kiley from The Whiz Pops. I really enjoy having musicians on as guests of the show, and The Whiz Pops are doing some really innovative stuff. If you've enjoyed the music selections that I played in this episode, definitely check out their new album, Ranger Rick's Trail Mix, Volume 1. We'll throw a link in to listen to the album up on the show notes page for this episode. I will also recommend that you check out the music video that they created for the Black-Footed Ferret song that we played at the beginning of the show. It is absolutely hilarious and sure to cheer you up, uh, while also hopefully teaching you something about this unique species. That video will be embedded on the show notes page also, uh, which you can find at wildlensinc.org EOC73. And if you enjoyed today's episode of the show, you can really help us out by heading over to the iTunes store and leaving us an honest rating and review. This really helps us expand our audience, which means that more people get to learn about the amazing conservation stories that we share here each week. So go on over to the iTunes store right now, search for Eyes on Conservation, click subscribe, and leave us an honest, heartfelt review. This episode was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky. Our theme music is by The Humidors. Humidors.